0: Will you please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18? Acts chapter 18. We have some Bibles that are marked for you at Acts 18. These brothers have them. They're going to make their way to the back. As they do, if you need a Bible, just get their attention. And then just open it to that page, Acts chapter 18. Have you ever had the experience of getting up in the morning, driving to your destination, whether that be school or work or whatever? And on the way there, your mind is racing a thousand directions, or perhaps none at all, and then when you get there, for some reason, for just a moment, you think about the route you took, and you can't remember anything about it. You just drove a vehicle in the midst of perhaps thousands of others, you changed lanes, you stopped at signals, you made turns, you pulled in the parking lot, and you did all of that out of habit. I recall on one occasion when I was working as a computer consultant back in the day, after spending the better part of a year at one location, I was to begin on Monday at another. So I drove to work that day, pulled in the lot, even got out of my car, and only then realized I had driven to the old location. The truth is, we are definitely creatures of habit. And habit can be a very good thing. If directed toward good goals, the development of habits to get us there can be indispensable. As Stephen Covey pointed out many years ago in his bestseller, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. But most people never think about the ultimate reason that they do the things they do. If asked why, the best you'll get are good but not ultimate reasons. So why are you going to college? Because I need a job. Well, that's a good reason, but not an ultimate reason. Why are you getting married? Well, because we're in love. That's a good thing if you're going to get married, to love the person with whom you're going to exchange vows, but it's not an ultimate reason. Why are you seeking to have children? Because we thought 14 was a good number. Double the number of perfection, after all. Really, why are you having a child? Well, I just love children, and I've always wanted to be a mom or dad, as the case may be. And again, if you're going to have children, it's good to want them, and even good to think about the number, but those are not the ultimate reasons. And if we do not think about the ultimate reason for those questions, things like career and marriage and children, you can be sure we're not doing it for the smaller things. Like, why do I purchase the things I purchase? Or use my time the way I expend it? Or why do I exercise or even sleep? And the Bible then comes along and says famously, whether you eat, whether you drink, and notice whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, you have heard us define here on several occasions what glory is in Scripture. Glory is the manifestation of the character of God. So when I do whatever it is I do, it's to be done in a manner that reflects God's character, His love, His holiness, His grace, and so on. And the things that I choose to do are to be done because He is worth those things. So, for example, why do Christian people sacrifice comfort for service? Because He is worth it, and thereby, showing His worth, we show His glory. So you could word your life mission, state your life mission in a number of ways, but here's an example. Everything I do is to reflect God's character and worth, and then in turn to help others to do likewise. And so why are you getting married? I'm getting married to become more like Christ. That is, reflect the character of God and to help my spouse to do so. Why are you having children? I'm having children to become more like Christ and help my child to do so. Why are you pursuing that work? I'm working to become more like Christ and to help my co-workers to do so. And on it goes. You still have all the secondary reasons But the ultimate reason for everything is to reflect Christ, the glory of God. Now, the truth is, we can come to church and think that this is just a churchy way to talk, and then on Monday, that's not the kind of thing we engage in. We might ask the question, do people really, in fact, live that way? Well, today in our continuing series called Portraits of Grace... I want to introduce you to a married couple who saw every aspect of their lives as for the glory of God. Today, we're going to briefly look at a couple named Aquila and Priscilla. They're mentioned six times in the New Testament. And in those passages, we learn a number of things from them, from the way that they served together for the cause of Christ. Verse 1 of Acts 18. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And we have an outline for you that's inserted in your program. If you don't already have that out, please take a look at that. And I want us to see four things from the life of Aquila and Priscilla. The first is this, that our possessions are for the Father's business. Our possessions are for the Father's business. This couple owned businesses that they intentionally used for the Lord. When Paul came to this large city, Corinth, He probably asked around to find a master tent maker or leather worker from whom he could seek a job and so could support himself by his trade. Paul had that trade, many of you know, because Jewish law directed that young theological students be taught a trade, and on his missionary journeys, Paul earned his living as a tent maker and leather worker. And so he came in contact with the Jewish Christian couple Aquila and Priscilla. With whom this passage tells us he lived and worked, presumably alongside other uh, workmen in their shop. Now, since Priscilla is often mentioned in Scripture before her husband, Aquila, it probably means that she came from a higher social class than he did. Aquila may well have been a former Jewish slave who became a freedman in Rome, married Priscilla, and she possessed citizenship rights in Rome. Together, they owned a tent-making and leather-working firm, and they had branches now in Rome, in Corinth, and in Ephesus. This was a couple who had some businesses, but they had determined to use those businesses for the Lord and His work. I am always very impressed with entrepreneurs, people who can build a business, and people even who can then, in an honest way, make money. Thankfully, we live in a free enterprise system where someone can do that. But hear this, friends. That making money is not an end in itself. God is not so much interested in you multiplying money. He's interested in you multiplying ministry. And that's what this couple determined to do. Not only did they open their business to Paul, they opened their home to him as well. They willingly opened their home that he might have a place to stay while he labored for the Lord and preached the gospel in Corinth. They assisted God's servant in His ministry. Their home and their lives were made available as a means to help serve Christ. And so we should ask ourselves, how do we view our homes? Do we view them as our castle, as a trophy for people to marvel at? Do we see our homes and families as means, as tools to be used to serve Christ and His cause? Are we willing to use the resources and blessings in our homes that God has given to us as a family to be used for His mission? Or do we want to protect it and keep it isolated? We don't want people coming in and messing up our stuff. Notice our stuff. You see, in for Aquila and Priscilla, they didn't see that they had stuff. They saw that they had been entrusted with things to use for God. And they allowed Paul to invade their home and their family for, according to verse 11 in chapter 18, an 18-month period. Friends, our homes are not just possessions for us to cling to. They are not just good investments. Our perspective as husbands and wives, as families, ought to be that we want our homes and our families to be used for the cause of Christ. And what does that mean practically? It means you see this as a place where ministry occurs, where you have people over, where you go over and you share life together. Practically speaking, it means this at CBC, there should never be a shortage of host homes for community groups because we have those homes in order to use for ministry. Our possessions are for the Father's business. Secondly, our plans are for the Father's business. Verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So after his extended stay of 18 months in Corinth, Paul set sail for Palestine and made his first stop at Ephesus. And who went with him? Priscilla and Aquila. They left their home to go along with Paul to serve the Lord with him. As husband and wife, they were called to serve the cause of Christ together, and they were willing to follow Paul to do that. In order to serve him together, they were not, now get this, locked into one vocation or even one location. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all just up and sell our homes and head to the mission fields. But I am suggesting, more importantly, God is teaching us that we are to each have a perspective, a common focus that says we're going to be at the disposal of the Lord to serve Him together wherever and however we can. In fact, notice this. Aquila and Priscilla went and served where it was they were needed. There's nothing said in here about this being the place they've always wanted to go. I mean, isn't that the way we plan our lives? And so we lay out our lives, where have you always wanted to go? And then you plan your life and locate because of where you want to go, not necessarily where you are most needed. When Paul left Ephesus and headed for yet another city, Antioch, he left Aquila and Priscilla back in Ephesus. Now, why did he do that? In all likelihood, it was for them to begin to form a nucleus of believers from which they could form a church. In fact, 1 Corinthians 16 tells us this, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does, notice this, the church that meets at their house. They forget community groups, we'll just have the whole church come over to your place. How's that? But that's how committed this couple was to the cause of Christ. They were involved in planting a church in Ephesus, and their home housed the church. Even though the Bible tells us they asked Paul to stay with them there, they stayed where they were needed and where they could serve Christ and be a part of establishing a church where they could be used of God in a local church. What a profound difference that is from the way we so often think, friends, about church. Christian families shop around for a church and shop around for a church, and what is the list of criteria on that shopping list? It, what's, it's what fits their fancy and gives them what they want rather than digging in and looking for some place where they can be used, where they can serve God together. As families, we ought to be at the disposal of God to serve Him together in the local church. That ought to be our heart's desire. That ought to be our common focus and purpose as individuals and as families. Our possessions are for the Father's business. Our plans are for the Father's business. Thirdly, our passion is for the Father's business. Verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Apollos was a brilliant man who came to Ephesus and was expounding the Old Testament Scriptures. He was knowledgeable of certain things concerning Christ, but what he knew was limited, apparently, to the teaching and ministry of John the Baptist. He had probably never been taught of the finished work of Jesus Christ or the coming of the Holy Spirit and of Christian baptism. And so this godly couple now, Aquila and Priscilla, after hearing him, they took him aside to their home and they taught him the truth of God concerning Christ. The Bible tells us he went back to Corinth to carry on a powerful gospel ministry. Now, obviously, both Priscilla and Aquila were grounded in the truth of God, the gospel, the teaching of Christ and His saving work. Sometimes, let me just say that you, in in a family, in a couple, we will think that that's the husband's exclusive job, to know the Scriptures, No, friends. All of us are to know God's Word. All of us are to dispense God's Word. And they were not only, each of them, knowledgeable, they were committed to teaching others what they knew. As couples and as families, we need to be growing together in our knowledge of God, in our grasp of the truth of the Word of God, and even in our grasp of doctrine. This is what Aquila and Priscilla taught to Apollos. They taught him doctrine. We need to share a common commitment and passion for learning and understanding the Word of God. That means we must be committed to challenging each other in our relationships to study and apply the Word to our lives. At the very minimum, it means we ought to avail ourselves of the opportunities that are available for us to learn God's Word. Our possessions and our plans and our passion, they are all to be about the Father's business. And lastly... Our lives, our very lives, are for the Father's business. Romans chapter 16 says this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. In this greeting, in the last chapter of the letter to the church at Rome, Paul asked that the believers there greet Priscilla and Aquila, who had apparently returned to Rome from Ephesus. Paul praised and commended them as his fellow workers for the cause of Christ, and he revealed that at some point they had risked their their own lives to save his as they served together. We're not told in Scripture how it was or when it was they did that, but in some way, they put their own well-being in jeopardy to help Paul during his ministry for Christ. And notice, there's yet another church meeting in their house in yet another city. What a challenge this is to us, friends. Are we willing to risk in order to serve the cause of Christ? What are we willing to jeopardize, to lay on the line, to move the cause of Christ forward, to serve Christ together as individuals and as families? Time and convenience? Finances? Future plans? Personal wants and desires? Reputation? My, to our ears in American culture, this kind of talk undoubtedly sounds drastic. Risking our lives for Christ? But that it does sound drastic is, I believe, friends, a revealing commentary on how desperately we need to rethink our common commitment as individuals and families to the mission that Jesus has called us to. So what should we take home out of the life of Aquila and Priscilla? I say at the bottom of your outline, our business, all of us, our business, is to advance God's business. That's what we're about, until we die or Jesus returns. And so may we commit to being families like Aquila and Priscilla, and like Matt and Erica, whose common focus and agenda is serving Christ together. Almost everything the Bible tells us of Aquila and Priscilla could be said of Matt and Erica Owen. Now, I say almost because as far as I know, they haven't risked their lives, although Matt has driven with me in my car a few times. But we saw that Aquila and Priscilla saw their home and family as means to serve Christ's cause. Most of the people in this church have been in their relatively small home in Allen Park. Either through their community group or through the discipleship that each of them, each of them carried on, both individually and as a couple. Our young adult group, the Crossroads group, has been over there many, many times for fellowship, for teaching, and for counsel. Matt and Erica were willing to move to Michigan 14 years ago For the purpose of training for ministry. And while training for ministry to serve and to minister while doing so. They see their relationship, their marriage, as a partnership in the gospel. They see their children as opportunities for them to invest their lives in someone for the purpose of showing them what it looks like to be like Jesus. You see the effects of that already. Thank God and the lives of their children. Just talk to Stella, and you will be amazed at the theological knowledge of this child. Not only do they see their family and their home as tools for God, their lives, like those of Aquila and Priscilla, are at God's disposal to be used as He sees fit. They've done whatever they've been asked, and often things without having to be asked. This past week, Matt and I met to discuss the things that he's been doing so that we could do a handoff. And Matt had about a 500 page paper that he gave me with a zillion things on it that this man has been doing for our church. And he's been doing that for part time pay, but he's been doing well over full time work. And like Aquila and Priscilla, they share a passion for the truth. And it's this that caused them to attend seminary. And I say them to attend seminary because Matt could not have done that without the willing cooperation of Erica. And they have each taught and discipled numerous people over the years. As I said, as far as I know, they've not been called to risk their lives, but I will say this, if there was ever a couple that I have met who, if called upon, would be willing to do so, it's Matt and Erica. Because they're committed to Christ above all. And so, dear friends, it's been my extreme privilege to work with you this last six and a half years. It's been my pleasure to be your pastor and your friend. You've truly made my work a joy and not a burden. And I am so grateful for your example to the family of God. It's a challenge to me, and I trust to our entire congregation and our families. Now hear this, to do likewise. I and we love you dearly in the Lord, and we pray God's richest blessings on you as you serve Him in the future. What you do in Jacksonville and beyond, we will consider an extension of the Lord's ministry here. And we are already talking about ways to link our congregations together, even though separated by 1,200 miles. So this is really not the end, dear friends. This is the end of a phase in our service together for the Lord. Now to us, to our congregation, please do not make the mistake of looking at this dear couple and thinking, Wow. They're doing all that stuff, they've done all that stuff, they're going to go to Jacksonville and relocate, and God's going to do great things there, and it's all because they are just so marvelously gifted. That's true, they are. That's why they'll be used in the particular capacity and capacities that they will. God places us as He gifts us. But what we need to have in common is not our giftedness, clearly. Scripture teaches there's a diversity of gifts, it's not our giftedness. What we must have in common is our absolute and complete commitment to the Lord Jesus and His cause. That's what you should get from Matt and Erica. That's what they want us all to get from their time here with us. Not that you be like us in terms of our giftedness, but you be like us in terms of our mutual commitment to the Lord Jesus. All in, leave it on the field, nothing in reserve. That's what they've done here, and that's what we are being called to. And so I encourage you then, as they now move to the next phase, to then think about your own life and how you've ordered it. Your possessions, your plans, your passion, your very life. To whom is it given? Around what is it centered? The answer to that must always be Jesus and his cause. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for the gospel, the good news centered on Jesus' person and work. We thank you for the change that it has made in us when we first heard it, and your spirit moved upon our hearts and drew us out of the world into yourself, and how it continues to work in us, and how you have called us for it to work through us into the lives of others. Because of the gospel, We have a purpose every moment of every day. Every day we can rise and know why we're doing what we're doing from small to great things. And so, Lord, help us to be all about the gospel, the glory of God through the gospel. We thank you for the portraits of grace that you allow us to see in your word of people like Aquila and Priscilla completely sold out to the Lord Jesus. Having experienced his grace now wanting, desiring to be conduits of His grace. We thank You for portraits of grace like our dear friends Matt and Erica. We thank You for their example to us these six and a half years. We thank You for their example to us and their willingness to go to another place and to carry on and extend Your work into the lives of others. Lord, we thank You for the joy. We thank You for the privilege. We thank You in advance for the work that You are going to do in and through them there and in and through us here. Lord, you are calling people that are all about you. I pray, I pray that I and that we will use this time to evaluate our own lives and to see the grace that we've been given and to reshape our lives according to being dispensers of that grace into the lives of others. Oh, Lord, help Orange Park Bible Church to grow, to grow immensely in faith, to grow in numbers, Help Matt and Erica as they they lead that flock there. And for Community Bible Church, help us to continue to be a beacon of light to this community and beyond and help us, Lord, as our brother has said, to train and send out in repetitive fashion until you return. We pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.